This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Weekend Breakfast News Roundup. At 12 minutes after 7 o'clock in our in conversation with Kanye Makubane, independent political analyst. Good morning to you, Kanye. How are you? A very good morning to you, talking your listeners. I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. So I think, you know, I would love to start with, you know, the BRICS summit, but at the, the latest development and something that we saw happen yesterday, um, and we'll come, mm. we'll start locally and internationally as well, Kanye, of course. We saw Dennis Bloom um, resigning from COPE, but we understand that he was anyway going to be expelled. Well, I mean, COPE has had a lot of issues lately. Mm. You know, um, I think for the past year, in fact, COPE has have had problems with Monsieur Alicorda, Dennis Bloom, um, you know, and some of the other guys who you remember stoned a press conference a few months ago, and we saw live on television. Um, as the scenes playing out where members of COPE themselves were fighting amongst each other. So there's been a lot of um, back and forth in terms of the party's future. And we know that um, COPE, like you said, had indeed been planning, you know, to, 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 to get rid of Dennis. So he decided, I guess, let me do it myself first before... Um, someone else can claim to say we kicked um, Dennis Bloom outside. And he, he's he been an MP that has represented COPE, you know, at the National Assembly for many years. He's a highly seasoned politician. So, you know, we may probably see him pop up with another political party. Mm-hmm. You know, anything is possible in, in politics. But I definitely think it's a loss for the, for the party, for COPE, to lose a, a, a politician is even as Dennis Bloom. And so dedicated to Cope, so dedicated. Absolutely. Absolutely dedicated. And, you know, he's, he's one of the people, I guess, that, you know, should have served as the counsel of, of this political party, you know, like the elders, so to speak, who, who are able to guide and give direction to the mm-hmm. party. You know, I think that they actually needed him, but I think even Dennis can see himself that, you know, the political future of COPE, um, you know, under the circumstances, you know, of, of not having stable leadership is not really um, secure or it's not really a future that's taking him anywhere. Mm. All right, so let's then move over, staying um, in South Africa with Santaco versus the Western Cape government. It seems this is a battle that is not going to end anytime soon. Um, in which sense, particularly? Uh, we do now know that, um, you know, they are, you know, the city is apparently going to sue Santaco um, for some damages that were caused during their strike. But there's also this issue of the taxis that are still impounded. Mm. Well, I guess, you know, there's, there's always casualties in every war. Mm. And the, the the casualties of this war have been the Texans themselves, the Kundis, um, because, you know, that, that's the real um, assets of Santaco, the mm-hmm. cars, you know, that they have to to use to, to, to carry out their business. And 
if they don't get their way, there's nothing stopping them from striking again. But if they don't um, come to the table with the city of Cape Town, they might find themselves having difficulty to operate because, you know, the city can block them. Mm. So I think Santaco um, has a responsibility to keep a cool head for starters and, and, and also put the commuters' needs first, mm. you know, and try to come to the party of the city of Cape Town to, to, to find the least messiest um, way around this because we know what happens when the two elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. So um, let's then move over to something that took place in Johannesburg uh, for about three days or so, the BRIC summit. And we then heard, you know, that they are then also inviting other countries to form part of the bloc. Mm-hmm. I think that when the summit started, already we, we knew that there were applications, mm. um, you know, um, that the minister of um, Durko, Melody Pando, had said and indicated that in her office she had letters of application from several countries, you know, uh, some of whom were not successful this time around in terms of applying um, countries like Mexico, you know, were part of that. Mm. And of course, we know that Saudi Arabia um, um, countries like um, Egypt, Ethiopia, you know, they've now joined the bloc. And what this does is it obviously physically, you know, grows the bloc, but it also starts to change, I would say, the new world order, because for the longest time, the West, you know, countries of G7 and the West have dominated as superpowers globally. And the dollar has been the global currency of trade. But now there's a move by the BRICS bloc to offer an alternative. And to be pro-BRICS doesn't mean you're against the West. It means that you're just aligning yourself economically with new trade partners. And of course, America should be concerned because, you know, it's, it's not the end. When the new membership takes place or takes effect in January mm-hmm. next year, there'll be other applicants. You know, there's a move for more African countries to join. You know, there was a question, why so few African countries? You know, and many are saying, well, some African countries may be under duress not to join, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they have long-standing relationships with the West because the West does feel threatened by the growth of bricks. I don't know if you saw this um, picture with the map, the world's map, mm-hmm. and there was um, an actual coloring in of how the world movement is changing, and they call it the de-dollarization. You know, there's been a fear that even the currency, the BRICS currency that's been spoken about is, is going to slowly um, replace the dollars, the global trade currency and America right now, I'm interested to see see what their response is going to be to the growth of BRICS and how it possibly affects and impacts, you know, their superpower status. Mm-hmm. And so let's then, um, you know, move over to Zimbabwe, where we saw the elections 
taking place there, but then having to have another day of voting in some areas in the country because, and some areas in Harare specifically, because people did not receive the voting ballots. Um, And of course, we do know that there's also the issue of these elections actually being free and fair. And the observers have said that they were peaceful, if if that's the right word that they used. Well, you know, observers have, have not been giving us the same report because some say it was peaceful, others are saying the elections fell short mm. of being um, described as free and fair. You know, so some are saying some regions were peaceful, others are saying some regions what they were observing, you know, there was um, voter intimidation, there was lack of um, adequate logistics in time. And, you know, there's been accusations of ballot boxes being intentionally kept away from certain areas to negatively impact, um, the, um, you know, the ultimate election results. However, the early results that are coming in, and we know that it's going to take a few days for us to fully get the picture, but Nelson Chavisa is definitely in the lead for now, but some are saying it's too early to celebrate. Um, you know, as more regions, election, um, you know, results come in, we'll, we'll keep getting a better and fuller picture. But, um, you know, Nangang was so far not in the lead. Mm. And I mean, what would it then mean? Should um, Nelson Chamisa actually win these elections? I guess it will be, it will be history. WPF has won almost every election in Zimbabwe post-colonial um, control. Mm. You know, you look at Zimbabwe's history when Zimbabwe became Zimbabwe from Rhodesia, you know, from southwest Zimbabwe, um, when Robert Mugabe, as a young man and a young liberator um, of Zimbabwe from colonization, they've held that position since the 80s. You know, we've seen ZANU-PF dominating the political landscape of Zimbabwe. And if that would change now, it would definitely signal a new day for a lot of Zimbabweans who are saying that should Nelson win, they'll be ready to pack up their bags from South Africa and other neighboring countries and move back home because that will give them hope of a new dawn in their country. And then moving further afield, you know, it would be great to see actually what happens with these election results before I do move further afield, especially the ones in Zimbabwe, because like you say, it would be quite historical, you know, as it unfolds. And if we, if Nasima Chamisa actually does win these elections, would it also maybe symbolize, Kanye, that people are fed up or they are tired with what is happening in their country? Oh, absolutely. Um, a lot of people are saying that um, the vanity has has long overstayed its welcome within the state of the public, not only just because you know they've dominated the election or the political landscape, but because they've always been accused of going about it in less than official ways. You know, we've seen a lot of people in the rural areas accusing Zanu PF of rigging their voting, of intimidating them to vote for Zanu PF. So what we are seeing is a party being accused of wanting to remain in power, even when the constituent is clearly saying that it is no longer your time. 
Yeah, it really would be quite interesting to see what unfolds in Zimbabwe. Um, before I move further afield, let's come back to Johannesburg. You could have a new mayor by next week as, you know, Joburg Mayor Gabelo Kwamanda facing another, if I'm not mistaken, motion of no confidence. Um, I think it's to be expected. Yeah. We know that the city of Johannesburg has become quite notorious for, for changing law, um, mayors as you know I, I don't even know what's the equivalent um you know way to to to, to compare it you know <laughs> I mean, you know there's no safe way to say it but um we 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 like a revolving door mm-hmm. of mayors that we've had over the past two years from Mpopalat to Tapelo Ahmed who's also um, you know, from the same political party as Gabelo. But I also don't blame Gabelo for for having had a run that's been really problematic. Gabelo Kwamanda as a mayor has to be one of the most forgettable mayors that we've had, you know, because I think he struggled to really rubber stamp his, his uh, mayorship. And a lot of people are saying, but that's because he was a compromise candidate, you know, in, in the whole coalition. And um, he, he he was um, Aljama's um, candidate as a compromise, you know, in the co- in the coalition that was um, formed with the ANC, Aljama, and other political parties. And I'm of the opinion that they should have kept Tabelo, his predecessor, because, you know, he had started you know, making his um, presence felt in that seat. And he had started growing in it. And I remember there was the issue of budgets that were passed without following proper um, processes because of lack of understanding of how municipalities run. And I'm saying people are going to grow politically. Sometimes it's okay to let them make those mistakes so that they grow from them. And I think if Tapelo had been left in that position, perhaps we would have had a better quality mayor than we did in Cabello, who for the most part was missing in action. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. I mean, he we, we hardly see him. We hardly know what's happening in Johannesburg. Absolutely. Because... I mean, you remember when Mashaba was the mayor, you know, uh, Kenneth Mashaba, <laughs> Kenneth Mashaba, um, <laughs> listen to me, say Kenneth Mashaba, <laughs> but <laughs> thinking of an actor, Kenneth Mashaba, no, you know, getting my wires crossed there. Yeah. But, you know, people like Mashaba had lots of visibility as a mayor, you know, because they were also seasoned. Um, politicians, they they were strong, they were vocal. Um, You know, they were coming in with the backing of the Democratic Alliance. Um, Al-Jama'a has not come out strongly to back um, its candidate, Gabriel Kwamanda, and give him the confidence. You know, I think all of us, when we saw um, Gabriel being um, sworn in as a mayor, we looked at each other and were like, does he even know What's going on? He'd be like, I don't believe I'm the mayor. <laughs> you know, he, I don't want to say he was set up for failure, but I'm not sure what the processes are that allow mayors to go through induction and training and understanding of the role, which I think is very important because citizens of um, the city of Johannesburg need to have 
confidence, you know, in the mayor that's been chosen. However, these days it's been used as part and parcel of a um, negotiation ticket, um, you know, within coalition alliances uh, between political parties that want to dominate in the city of Johannesburg. And of course, we know that um, Action SA is bringing, and they are leading this latest um, uh, motion of no confidence. And unfortunately, I think it definitely has um, a possibility of passing in in the chambers. All right, moving further afield a little bit, Kanye. So I don't even know which one to start with, but I suppose let's start with the most recent. Donald Trump, the former U.S. president, of course, he was um, arrested, so to speak, but released, of course, as well um, in Georgia. And of course, this is because um, him and himself, him and himself, him and 18 others um, are accused of colluding. Um, to overturn the 2020 election result. And he's still saying that those results were not the ones. I think Donald Trump, until the day he dies, will forever hold the opinion that the election results that saw him losing the elections were not legit. Mm. You know, he is of the opinion that America wanted him to come back into the presidency when Joe Biden was elected the president. The Democrats, he's he's insisting, stole those elections. Mm. You know, he's insisting that they were in the lead. There were many states whose um, ballots were not counted on time. I mean, we've seen it's been documented quite extensively. But what we're seeing is an is, is a is a is a is a figure that's cutting a very sad and lonely, um, you know, figure. He's becoming more and more isolated in politics. Um, he's becoming a lone voice. In the beginning, perhaps there were many strong figures within politics that were standing with Donald Trump. Mm. But as you know, the years go by, we know that um, the charges against him and the impeachment trial um, that is still to formally get underway, all of that, you know, has has made him, I would say. Not so much a favorable candidate, mm. you know, to be aligned with. And that's why he's lost a lot of political ground. And I don't know if you saw those mugshots mm. um, that were making the rounds after he handed himself over. We can see he's, he's starting to resemble a lonely, sad, bitter mm. politician. And I think ultimately that will be his demise. You know, he, he will lose ground. He will lose followers because Politics is a game of favor. Mm. When people see that you are in the running, and a lot of the people who were his um, allies were probably his allies because he stood the greatest chance of being the president, and they stood the greatest chance of um, benefiting from those relationships. Mm. But in politics, there's never any permanent friends or permanent enemies. Mm. And then just finally, moving over into Russia, where we saw a plane that was carrying um, the Wagner Group leader, um, Mm. Progosian, crashing. And I mean, you know, when you watched, when I watched that video, Kanye, it looked really odd that it was just falling literally out of the sky, right? Um, And there's, of course, then the the rumor that, you know, the Kremlin had something to do with um, Progosian's death. But you would also remember that Progosian himself, he led that 
um, team or the you know those 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 soldiers, um, oh. you know, to be against so to speak in that little thing that he was trying to do that didn't last very long um, to be against what was happening within Russia and and Ukraine. Yeah. You know, I started picking this story up um, from the time that um, he, he, he tried president to to over um, to overpower the military of uh, Russia. Mm. You know, and obviously Vladimir Putin. So shortly after African leaders had gone to visit um, the the first big meeting of um, African leaders, and Vladimir Putin had literally just concluded a day or two prior when. Um, the attempt was made by the Wagner group. Mm. So, you know, just in terms of background, um, she, the, the Wagner group leader, I, I was not aware, actually comes from a hospitality background, you know, mm. and at some point she was incarcerated um, for over nine years, you know, for other crimes committed. However, when he finished his nine year stint, he, he opened up a chain of hot dog stands and that um, built the um, foundation for um, a chain of restaurants. And that's how he initially met Vladimir Putin. You know, he became Putin's personal chef for many years and they were close. Mm. So this issue is, all, is also um, multi-layered. It's not just um, the leader of these mercenaries. Um, there's, there's, there's a history between um, the Wagner Group's leader and Putin himself. However, Putin has always made it clear that if you betray him and you pre- betray Russia, you are no longer a friend of his. Mm-hmm. And he's made it clear he's going to revenge the act that um, was taken by President. And, you know, many people are saying the shot of um, the plane coming down was um, taken just um, after there was um, a shootdown. So that plane was literally targeted and shot down intentionally. Mm-hmm. And many are saying that the government should take responsibility and the Kremlin um, should take responsibility. And we saw uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, motorcade flying straight back, you know, into the um, into the city, into Moscow, um, leaving the BRICS, um, you know, engagements, going to deal with this issue, which mm. now has unfortunately created another headache for Russia because um, the Wagner Group's followers are saying they are going to avenge their leader's death. Mm. It will be quite interesting to see what unfolds there, um, Kanye. But you know, I'd love for us to unbreak that even more. Um, but of course, time has run out. Kanye Makubani, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much to your listeners. Indep- Bye-bye. Independent political analyst um, just sharing with us some of the news that made headlines. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.